I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Jennifer Wilson, who's at the New School for Liberal Arts in New York City. In part two, we'll start out talking about more general political apportionment. Most interest in apportionment comes from politics and representational systems of government. It comes up frequently, of course, in parliamentary systems that work by proportional representation. So, for instance, a number of countries in Europe, the way representatives are given to the parties is based on some kind of proportionality, where the total number of votes given to a party determines roughly how many representatives they get in the legislative body. So this is of tremendous interest to many countries. Uh, the questions that people ask are a little bit different there. For instance, one of the things you have to think about if you are using a proportional representation system and you're thinking about apportioning representatives based on it is whether your apportionment method encourages coalitions or discourages them. Because one of the problems, as you may know, that can happen in a proportional representation system is you can get a lot of smaller parties with a little bit of representation, but not enough to have any significant power. And many people feel that in that case, it's good to encourage cooperation among these smaller parties. And in that case, you'd want an apportionment method that would at least not discourage the parties from forming some kind of coalition, meaning that their representation would not go down if they joined forces and ran on a single platform. So these are some of the issues that come up in a proportional representation system. Is the mathematics you know, straightforward? Does it just involve fractions or are there... Yes, I've, I've avoided talking about the mathematics, but it is very, very simple. And certainly with Hamilton's methods, it's easy to describe in a, in a sentence, basically. Assuming that your house size is fixed, you calculate the quota for each state. And again, what that is, is looking at the proportion of the population that each state has, multiplying by the number of seats available, and that's each state's quota. So for instance, if New Jersey has 8.5 as its quota, then in the, what you do with Hamilton's method is you round all those quotas down to the nearest integer. So in New Jersey's case, hypothetically, we'd get rounded down to 8. And once you round everybody's state down, of course, you find that you don't have as many representatives as there are places in the House. And so with the remaining spaces, you look at all of the dates and you order them by the largest fractional remainder and then you assign however many remaining Congress people there are to the states with the highest remainder in descending order. And uh, the divisor methods themselves take a little bit longer, but they're easy to work out with a simple spreadsheet. So it's something that you can teach your students and have them experiment with what they think is a fair representation system. Jennifer, is there anything you'd like to add? Just that the whole subject of mathematics and politics is a fascinating one. Apportionment is one of the areas people know best because it's very accessible, but there's lots of interesting things. Um, voting theory has certainly become newly popular, and there's many interesting problems in voting theory. And a lot of applications to political strategy in game theory and cooperative game theory. So I think it's a really fun avenue both for researchers and for students. That's Jennifer Wilson, who's in the Natural Sciences and Mathematics Department at Eugene Lang College at the New School for Liberal Arts in New York. Uh, Jennifer, thanks very much. Thank you.